Welcome to the Imago Day Community Podcast. Hey everybody, it's good to be with you, Imago Day. I miss you guys. I miss being able to gather and worship together. Uh, at the same time, I'm incredibly grateful. It's been amazing to see how uh, you all have rallied with generosity and connecting and reaching out to your neighbors. Uh, we're seeing tremendous needs being met uh, through the relief fund. I have the privilege of saying that we have surpassed our match of $50,000, which puts us a little over $100,000 in that relief fund. And that's empowered us to care for many people inside our community and outside of our community that are struggling right now. And we know that that's going to uh, probably grow in the future. And so thank you. Thank you for your generosity. One of the things that I wanted to do this year that we've talked about for years is enter into a season of resurrection. You know, we have long calendar seasons throughout the church calendar. Advent is several weeks. Uh, Lent is several weeks. And then we come to resurrection and it's, it's one Sunday and we're done. And we know that it's the foundation of our faith to stay in this reality that Jesus is alive. And so today I'm starting a series called Risen. And through these series, I want us to ask those questions of what difference does it make that Jesus rose from the dead? What happens when we die? Um, what will heaven be like? What happens to our bodies? All of these kinds of questions. And my hope is that we will walk out of here in a few weeks with a deeper understanding of the hope that Jesus Christ brings us, a deeper conviction that the way we live today matters in light of eternity, and that we would have a deeper uh, just appreciation and love for Jesus when we truly understand how good the future is going to be and that that future has broken into the present right now. And so today I want us to talk about the question, what difference does it make that Jesus rose from the dead? It is a challenge to our faith when we look at death. And right now we're lamenting as we read the news and we see death all around us. And yet the gospel gives us this great hope that there is a human being that was fully man and also fully God. And that man resurrected from the grave, true humanity in a glorified body that is incorruptible. Now, one of the reasons that I think we struggle with this is because we get caught up in a duality. There's this um, huge chasm in our minds between what is spiritual and what is physical. And that chasm has existed for centuries, all the way back to Plato. The Platonic thought understood that Everything spiritual and heavenly was perfect, and everything material and earthly was horrible. And so the hope in Plato's day was that we would be unshackled from our bodies, which are evil, from this world, which is evil, and we will be gloriously in heaven in these disembodied sort of spirits. And 
Because of that dualism, it crept into the church and people began to deny that resurrection was an actual reality and hope. It helped, people not only rejected the idea and didn't understand the idea, but they also wrestled with the idea of a physical body being in heaven was bad news in in the early days of the church. The idea that there would be material uh, of physicality in heaven, which is perfect, was just something that people couldn't deal with. And so that dualism between the spiritual and the physical and the material, that exists today as well. We often hear in funerals that uh, we say that our, our loved one is in heaven right now. They're away from the body, away from all the bad things about the body, and that they are with God in heaven. And if we're not careful, we slip easily into this kind of dualism between heaven and earth, between the spiritual and the physical, separated forever. But Jesus um, and the apostles preach something entirely different than that, something that is more hopeful and more glorious when heaven and earth are joined together, when physical bodies are incorruptible, that they can't get sick, they can't sin, they can't die. Bodies that will one day be reborn and will fit perfectly with hearts that have been reborn with spirits that have been made alive by Jesus and the Holy Spirit, and that we physically and spiritually would live in harmony with a heart that was made alive by Christ. And so for Paul, the resurrection of Jesus and his promise to raise us in glorified bodies was absolutely necessary to our faith. Apparently, Plato's dualism has crept into the Corinthian church, and so that's where we're going to be today. If you have a Bible, you can turn to 1 Corinthians 15, and I would ask that you read the book of 1 Corinthians. We're going to be spending a bulk of our time there, though we'll be going into other places, so that you can really understand and grasp this series. And, and so what was happening in Paul's day is in short, they were asking, what's the big deal about a resurrection? Uh, they believe they could live moral lives. They can enjoy spiritual things. They get to go to heaven and be with the angels when they die. So why does resurrection matter? And it's possible that we're asking the same thing. It's possible that we've been so influenced by that dualism that we wonder, what's the big deal with resurrection? As long as I get to heaven, what do I care about resurrection? And we wouldn't be alone in thinking that. But Paul has something very different to say. If you look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we'll pick up in verse 12. He says, but if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there's no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is useless. And so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But if he did not raise him, if in fact the dead are not raised, 
For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we of all people are most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed raised from the dead the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Paul was dealing with this issue in the Corinthian church, this issue about resurrection. And what he's saying to them is he starts with logic. He says, you've already believed that Jesus has been raised from the dead. So how can you say that humanity won't be resurrected? Jesus was a man. He was fully human. And therefore, his resurrection is inextricably tied to ours. His human resurrection is tied to our future resurrection. Obviously, he was raised. Therefore, resurrection of humans is possible. And it's so important that we understand that Jesus' resurrection is tied to our resurrection. First, If we look at John chapter 6, Jesus says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. He proclaimed to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall live even if he dies. That is what the apostles taught as well. Peter and John were preaching in Jerusalem after Pentecost. And it says the priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. And so there are, there are this perfect stream of connection between what Jesus taught and what the apostles taught and what the New Testament church understood the gospel to be, that as Jesus was raised from the dead, we too will experience physical glorified resurrection. Paul starts with the theological consequences. If we think about this, if Christ is not risen from the dead, then what is the consequence to my faith to the theology of the gospel. He says, first is that false belief that Christ wasn't really physical or a human being, that that was going through the church. People had this heresy of the day called Gnosticism that thought, well, maybe Jesus isn't purely human. Maybe he's just all spirit, or maybe he's all human, and the spirit is just kind of comes on him and then leaves. Jesus made the point, though, after he rose from the dead, of having the disciples touch his body. He says, touch my wounds, touch my side, see that I am still human. He proved that with a physical body. He ate with them in Luke's gospel. So here is a man who has died on Friday was crucified on a cross, and here he is on Sunday resurrected with a new body that forever he chose to bore the wounds of the crucifixion, and it is truly physical. 
Christ was human and he died and yet he rose again. It is a fascinating, glorious mystery. If you have ever have a loved one, I have this, this dream that is always repeating itself of my grandpa. My grandpa had a, a huge influence on my life and I'll have these dreams where he's still here. And we're talking and we're interacting and we're, we're just back there. It's like, this is how it was and this is how it was supposed to be. And then I wake up and I remember, oh, my grandpa's been uh, passed away for several years. What happens when Christ rose from the dead is that he was actually there. It wasn't a dream. It wasn't a ghost. It wasn't a spirit. It was physical humanity, the very man, Jesus Christ, rose from the dead. Paul says that if Christ didn't raise, then preaching Christ would be meaningless. Apart from the resurrection, Jesus could not have conquered our sin. If he died on the cross, he just stayed buried, then our sin is not forgiven. Apart from the resurrection, Jesus couldn't conquer our death. If, if he didn't raise from the dead, then death is still the greatest enemy we have. If he didn't raise from the dead, he couldn't conquer evil. And yet we know that as he resurrected from the dead, that he defeated the devil on the cross and through the empty tomb. And so if he doesn't raise from the dead, then the good news actually ends up being bad news or the same news. Death still wins. So Christ's resurrection is essential for all that Christ accomplished on the cross to be true. He also says that essentially if he didn't raise from the dead, then faith in Christ is worthless. Dead saviors cannot give new life. We uh, experience this all the time through the little idols that we think will save us. So we think pleasure will save us. Then we give ourselves to that and realize it didn't, didn't create life at all. If Jesus stayed dead, then there is no way that he can give us life by his Holy Spirit. And yet he has. And you have tasted it. You have experienced the Holy Spirit in your life. And that is testimony that Christ indeed rose from the dead. So if he didn't raise, Paul is saying, look, if he's not resurrected, then your faith is worthless. If the dead don't rise, then Jesus didn't rise. And we would be showing up every week, essentially not to worship a living God, but to mourn a dead God. Uh, in the Muslim religion, people travel to the tomb of Muhammad and they travel there to mourn his death. That is what we would be doing on Sundays if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. But, but that's not what we do. That's not what we're doing here today. We're coming together, albeit small and in our homes, but we're coming here week after week to worship a living God, a God who has brought all the great saints from the past, Abraham and Sarah and Rahab and Moses. They have believed and they live their life by faith and they've been rewarded uh, that faith has been rewarded. But if he didn't raise from the dead, then their faith and your faith is in vain. It means they were faithful for nothing. They suffered for nothing. They were put to death for nothing. 
And so faith in Christ would be worthless. It also means that anyone who is a witness or a preacher of the resurrection would be a liar. Paul makes this really clear. In fact, not just would he be a liar or would I be a liar, but Christ would be a liar. Christ would have not been Lord who did all these great things, who, who taught this gospel, who taught us how to love one another. But essentially, he also claimed that he would die and would raise again. Every person who is born witness to the gospel would be a liar. Every person who ever shared the gospel would be a false witness, deceiving people with their false claim that Jesus is raised from the dead. So it's crucial that the resurrection actually happened. Why would we take anything for, from Jesus if he lied about his resurrection? I often think there's so many people who would be like, well, Jesus was a great moral teacher. Jesus had, you know, wisdom for how we should love each other and treat one another. But in reality, if the one who taught us to love our enemies, to lay down our life for those that we love was also lying about the fact that he was the king who had come to die on our behalf and raise from the dead, then essentially it would be like, It'd be like a Gandhi who you also knew was swindling people out of their money on the side. If Gandhi was doing that, he wouldn't be Gandhi, right? And essentially, Jesus can't be Lord if he was a liar when it comes to his resurrection. Jesus would not have qualified as the divine son of God. And Christianity never would have been uh, happened. It never would have grown because the body was guarded by the tomb, and the tomb would have been full. And so the disciples would never have given their life for a hoax. Maybe a couple. You might have a couple unstable people who are deranged and are believing this lie. But do you really think that hundreds and hundreds of disciples would give their life for a lie? Do you think hundreds of years after the event of the crucifixion and resurrection, people would still be willing to die for Jesus if he stayed in the tomb. But that is not what happened. Jesus rose from the dead, and because he resurrected, we can say he is everything he said he was. He is our Lord. He is our Savior. He is our Master. He is our King. He is the servant. He is everything that he says he was, and his promises are true for us today, just as they were for them. And so what Paul says is the theological consequences of Jesus not raising from the dead actually destroy the gospel. And his resurrection is tied to our resurrection. He also says there's personal consequences. One of those, he says, is that we would still be in our sins, we would still be in our sins spiritually. And what that means is that all those times that we have wept before Jesus, that we have confessed our sin and we have trusted and experienced by the Holy Spirit the forgiveness of our sin, that all of that didn't happen. It didn't matter. You're still in your sins. It means that, that as we are physically dead in sin, we still are spiritually dead in sin. 
Romans chapter 6 tells us that the wages of sin is death. And so not only would our bodies be corrupted and be headed for the grave, but our souls and our spirits would still be dead in sin. Jesus' death would have been in vain and our faith in him would have been in vain and our sin would still be counted against us and we would forever be spiritually dead, separated from God, exiled from his presence. But how good is it that that's not true? How good is it to know that our sins are forgiven and that Jesus rose from the dead to conquer sin? How good is it that we aren't exiled away from the presence of God, but, but as Hebrews says, we can come into the very throne room of God and speak with Jesus without a priest because he is our great high priest, because he is raised and he lives, we also live. It also means if he didn't raise from the dead that all former believers would have eternally perished. You think about great Christians that you have loved and know that they have passed on. And we know that the scriptures tell us that when we are absent from the body, our spirits are present with the Lord for the time being until the resurrection. But what it would mean if he didn't raise from the dead is that every Christian that you have ever known and has died would simply have perished forever and ever. It means, as Paul says, that Christians would be the most pitiable people on earth. Some have said, and I've heard this before, you know, even if the gospel's not true, it doesn't really matter because I will have lived a good life. I would have been nice to people. I would have been a, a good neighbor, uh, a generous person. But that's not how Paul sees it. And if you think about Paul, I mean, Paul was beaten, flogged, beaten to the point of death on several occasions, was being chased by people who wanted him dead for preaching the resurrection. He spent multiple times in prison. For Paul, he says to him, if, that, if the resurrection didn't happen, I have wasted my life. He knows that if he is not alive, where would my peace come from? Where would my joy come from? Where would my hope come from? For Paul, he says, if Christ is not risen, then we have no one to save us but Christ. And if he is not raised, then our faith is a charade. It's a joke, a tragic cosmic joke. But thankfully, our faith is not in vain. Thankfully, we do not have to be pitied that the things that we suffer on behalf of Christ are part of participating in his sufferings, that the, the fight we have against sin and against evil, that actually is forming us to fit in heaven. It means that we are conquerors with Christ who has already conquered the grave. It's such good news to know that you and I, we are not to be pitied. We are not to be people who, who look at as people who have given themselves to a false hope. And that's where Paul goes next. He says to them, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. 
So what difference does the resurrection make? It makes all the difference in the world to not believe that Jesus is alive and will raise you up with him is to not believe the very gospel itself. If, if you believe that all the teachings about Jesus are good, but you don't believe Jesus raised from the dead, you are probably not a Christian if you don't believe Jesus resurrected and will raise us too. Because everything is based on the fact that Christ is presently alive, that he's alive, that the tomb is empty, right? That, that all that he has promised us has come, the, the new life has broken in, we are spiritually not dead, but we have been made alive, and we are going to join him when he raises us from the dead in glorified bodies that will live forever, dance forever, jump forever. And it's just this incredible thought that the way that it is supposed to have been all along is the way that it will be for all eternity. Christ is alive. And because he is alive, everything he accomplished on the cross is applied to you. You are forgiven of your sins. You are reconciled to God. You are at peace with God because of what Jesus has done you have been reborn by his spirit and you are sealed by that spirit and you're set apart for all eternity to be with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Your death has been conquered. Your soul has been made alive in Jesus Christ. Christ is risen. And it's important that we spend a few weeks here because that alone is worth talking about, is worth worshiping, is worth contemplating. God created us with bodies, and those bodies got corrupted by sin and death. And Christ took on that body, weak and fragile. And he died on a cross to reconcile us and to reconcile creation back to the Father, but then he rose again in a human body that was glorified, physical life that is incorruptible. And he has promised to give us that new life as well. First by the Holy Spirit in spiritual resurrection and soon by raising us with bodies of incorruptible flesh like his. Heaven and earth joined together. Right? Not simply heaven up there where we, where we float around as a spirit with little cherubim that are playing harps, but a heaven and earth that is joined together. This is the gospel that creation is being and will be restored and will be the place that God fills with his life and his love, and we will enjoy it forever in resurrected bodies. That's what we're going to be talking about more in weeks to come. You know, I think about this quite a bit, and I wonder all the time, like, what will it be like? Like, wh what will my body be like? My body that is aged and has arthritis and that I'm always fighting with uh, to lose weight and other things. What will it be like? And we don't know entirely. But Tolkien, uh, the author J.R. Tolkien, he had this incredible imagination, obviously. If you've read Lord of the Rings and all of his books, 
there's this obscure passage that my son Josh uh, pulled out for me. It's in the appendix, and it's referring to the death of King Aragon. And it says this about him, that, that he was transformed in this moment of his death. And it says, then a great beauty was revealed in him. So that all who came after there looked on him in wonder, for they saw that the grace of his youth and the valor of his manhood and the wisdom and majesty of his age were blended together. And long there he lay, an image of the splendor of the kings of men in glory undimmed before the breaking of the world. Isn't that a beautiful statement? Wouldn't it be incredible if we in these glorified bodies just were a glimpse of that, the grace of our youth, the valor of our manhood and womanhood, and yet the wisdom and majesty of our age. I know that as I get older, I don't have nearly the valor, if that's the word that I would even use, um, and, and I definitely have the, don't have the grace of my youth. I'm kind of on my way, hopefully, to wisdom. But imagine all of that put together for all eternity. Uh, I think that's a glimpse. That's just a little tiny glimpse into what it could be like and what the hope of resurrection offers us. Theologian Eric Sauer has written this quote, and he says, The present age is Easter time. It begins with the resurrection of the Redeemer, and it ends with the resurrection of the redeemed. Between lies the spiritual resurrection of those called into life through Christ. And so we live between two Easter's. And in the power of the first Easter, we go to meet the last Easter. Brothers and sisters, it's my prayer today that you could trust Christ with your whole heart that you would not just believe that he is alive, but that you would experience his resurrection life by the Holy Spirit, that you would begin to hope in a different kind of future that God has for us, not a future of just spiritual immateriality, but the future where heaven and earth have been brought together, where the earth has been remade and where we ourselves have been remade in glorified bodies that match and fit perfectly with remade hearts and souls. That's the beauty, the wonder, the majesty that awaits us. And we know that it's coming because Jesus has already risen from the dead. He's the first fruits of what's to come. And so let me pray that as we go through this next week, we would begin to contemplate, uh, our hearts would be enlarged and our hope would grow in not just appreciation for what was accomplished on the cross, but for the glory and the wonder that was accomplished through the resurrection and the promise that we too will be raised with Christ. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much that you are such a good God and that you came to us in the very person of your son and that you took on our broken humanity 
And yet you converted, you changed, you recreated that humanity and glorified it through the resurrection of Jesus. I thank you, God, that, that you are a living God, that we are praying to the risen King who has conquered death and sin and hell and for us is living and praying and interceding for us even now. And God, we thank you that even as you wait to redeem us all the way, to, to bring us through into glorified resurrection, that God, the door is open now for people to trust Jesus for the first time. And I pray that even as those who are hearing my words, as I pray that some of them would say, Jesus, I believe and, and I trust you with my life. And in Holy Spirit, that you would fill them and give them new life. Father, we love you. We are so grateful that you are the God who is three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And you have included us in your communion of love. We wait with great hope for the day when we will say there is no more dying, death, or tears, but all has been made new. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I love you, Imago Day.